T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. Today's just a really, today's a tough day. Today's a hard day. And I hope that um, everybody at home you, you give that person next to you um, whatever thing you have wrong in your life with them. If this might be small or big, let that shit go. doesn't matter. I know I curse. I'm sorry. It's okay. None of that stuff matters, man. This is uh, it's about life and uh, being precious with every damn second we have here. Because it, from somebody who knows who almost happened to me like that, man, it's just over. It's done randomly. Randomly, arbitrarily, and uh, you know his his four girls and his wife. We uh, we need to come around them and support them and help them. And the NBA should cancel all games today. Um, I don't really know what else to say. They played on. There were twenty four second violations. There were eight second backcourt violations. We should just call it the Kobe clock. From now on, that was Jay Williams, former Duke star, ESPN NBA analyst, good friend of Kobe Bryant yesterday on ESPN in the immediate aftermath of the passing of a legend. It is Super Bowl week, ironically, the biggest week on the sports calendar. All eyes on Calabasas, California, though, 2,700 miles away from South Beach. And the heart of the sports world is broken this morning. Kobe Bryant, a five-time NBA champ, one of the greatest of all time, an Academy Award winner, a husband, and a devoted father is gone far too soon. It is a Mamba Monday here on Home and Home, a Radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. We are remembering Kobe Bryant, the father the director, the producer, the killer on the court that he was for the next two hours. I'm Dave Briggs home. Ross Tucker on the road. He is in South Beach for the beginning of Super Bowl week. Kendrick Perkins joins us. Good friend of Kobe, competitor against Kobe. Randy Cardoon from Los Angeles, the sports director at 1070. And we will have some Super Bowl talk before we are done here. Ross Tucker, uh, you have an interesting perspective on Kobe Bryant having grown up uh, playing in the same, you know, Pennsylvania high school basketball, you got to know the legend, the um, at least the legend that is Kobe far sooner than many of us were even aware. Uh, share that. Yeah, it's interesting, Dave. Uh, two personal tie-ins here. Number one, I was in the airport yesterday, the Philadelphia airport, uh, getting ready to board a flight to come down here to Miami for opening night of the Super Bowl festivities tonight. And Dave, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah. Uh, my sister texted me and said, Kobe Bryant died. And then I went through, uh, I was on Twitter and I started scrolling through and I, you know, I, there was eight tweets I hadn't gotten to yet or whatever. And the top two, it must've just happened. Uh, were talking about Kobe Bryant and then to sit there waiting for my flight over the next 45 minutes, literally strangers were saying to other strangers, did you hear about Kobe? Did you, and there were people, a few people that got emotional. I don't know if they're Lakers fans or they're just because they're from Philadelphia or just the news itself. Uh, but it was something I never experienced before in terms of strangers talking to other strangers about something other than why their flight is delayed or what the status is. I mean, it was, it was almost like a game of whisper down the alley throughout the whole airport. Never seen anything like it. Uh, but in particular, to your point and your question, Dave, he was a year ahead of me. What's interesting about Kobe, one thing is he was born in late August of 78, yet was a year ahead of me, class of 96. He was very young. 
graduated high school at 17, was drafted in the NBA at 17. I think I first heard the name when I was in 10th grade. His high school is less than 50 miles from my high school. And when I was in 10th grade, he was a junior and he was already, you know, like the best player in the country. So you just kind of heard about him. I remember they went far in the state playoffs that year, but actually lost to somebody. I can't remember who it was, but they lost. And it should be noted, Dave, that is Lower Marion High School is probably the wealthiest high school in the state of Pennsylvania. And so they were actually terrible at basketball until he got there. And ever since he was there, they've been a basketball powerhouse now. They've been a top 10 program in the state. They were 4-20 and 20 his freshman year, and then after that, he took them to previously unforeseen heights, including the state championship his senior year. It's funny, even just texting with my father-in-law, he remembers seeing Kobe Bryant play up in the coal regions in Pottsville in the state playoffs his senior year. You know, by his junior and senior year, Dave, everybody kind of knew, okay, there's a guy at Lower Marion that's really different, really special. And it was like if he was playing in the playoffs near you, it was a tough ticket to get. You know, whether it was Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, the Coal Region, or Hershey, or wherever, everybody wanted to go see this guy because the word had gotten out that he was special. What I remember most about him, though, Dave, isn't really that. I mean, he was a great player and whatever. What I remember is junior year of high school, he had this press conference with the suit on and sunglasses on his head, and he said he was going right to the NBA. And that was like, that was like, what? I mean, back then, guys went to college for at least two years. It wasn't even the one and done. They went for at least two years, like Chris Webber or whoever. So for him to go to the NBA, we were all just kind of stunned. You know, I mean, here we are. We're high school kids played in the same tournament that he did, you know, high school basketball tournament, and he's going to the NBA? And he should have. It was the right decision. He was good, like, Right away, and certainly his second year, but it was almost hard for us to even fathom kind of one of us going to the NBA when we were like NBA fans, you know? Indeed, and and you have a, a personal connection, and what makes this different, what separates this from just about any moment I can think of, um, tragedy surrounding the sports world is that everyone somehow felt some sort of connection. I mean, I only interviewed Kobe a handful of times in locker room scrums, notably in the 2000 NBA eight NBA Finals. Didn't really know him. I'll admit, I cried several times yesterday as I watched his interviews, as I watched the coverage, as I read about him. I just remembered how much I admired the work ethic. I remembered this morning that for some reason I bought a Kobe Bryant jersey. I don't buy jerseys. I really have no idea why I bought a a, a Kobe Bryant jersey other than just remembering watching him and admiring the sheer determination he brought to each and every game, the work ethic. And look, sometimes we we joke about the like TB12. Yeah, it's a big TB12 and Mamba mentality are real things for these two guys. The Mamba mentality is exactly who Kobe Bryant was. I think all of us feel some sort of loss. Look, I reflect on being a parent when I, when I, talk about most news stories, whether it's politics or sports. And my son is now 12 years old. So they grew up really in the age of LeBron James. He has been the best player in the world their whole lives. But the first thing that struck me is I coach basketball, much like Kobe did. And and we should mention arguably the most devastating part of the story is his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, who he coached was his best friend. There were nine in all on that helicopter, uh, that died yesterday in Calabasas, California. But as a parent of a 12-year-old who coaches basketball, I hear Kobe every day when I coach. And I always thought it was odd. When they make a big shot, it's Kobe. It's not LeBron. It's not King James. They don't. They never saw really MJ at all. But it's always been Kobe for this generation of kids, and it always will be. And I asked my son, 
Why is it Kobe? Why is it not LeBron? They just said, look, dad, when you make a shot, it's Kobe. And that struck me um, in terms of the reach, the influence he's had. Number one, it's the legendary work ethic of Kobe Bryant. This guy outworked everyone. You heard Jay Williams earlier in the program. Jay Williams told a great story yesterday, and I remember this from when I covered him as a Boston sports reporter. A lot of guys would show up at the arena trying to beat Kobe to the arena. He was already there shooting hoops, and he would be there when they were done shooting hoops. Kobe Bryant was gifted beyond just about anything we've ever seen with the exception of Michael Jordan and maybe LeBron James, but he outworked everybody. And that's why he's the legend that he is today. He was the hardest worker I've ever seen in professional sports. And he talked about that. Who better to hear from than the man himself in a Ted talk talking about where did that come from? Where did that work ethic come from? Here's Kobe in his own words. And what's important to you for, for whatever reason, you know, I, I felt like um, I didn't feel good about myself if I wasn't doing everything I could to be the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. If I felt like I left anything on the table, um, it would eat away at me. I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror. Right? So the reason why I can retire now and be completely comfortable about it because I know that I've done everything I could to be the best basketball player I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's where it comes from for me. You can't leave any stone unturned. But the, the important thing to understand is you can't, you can't shortchange yourself. Like you're not, you're not cheating anybody but yourself. You can't teach the kind of work ethic that Kobe Bryant had. You just can't get it. He was born with it. I read for hours. I watched interviews for hours. And some of my favorite stories, Ross, one, I don't know how this is real, but Kobe talked about being a six-year-old basketball player. He talked about remembering how to force guys to dribble with their left hand at age six. He talked about being an 11-year-old basketball player. His first game of the season as an 11-year-old, he scored zero points, and that fueled him. He talked about his first playoff series against Utah in the NBA when he was airballing crucial shots and how that fueled him. His mentality, Ross, his work ethic was historic. It was unmatched. Without question, Dave, and I think that's probably uh, his greatest legacy and the biggest takeaway. Now, it's funny because this is the thing that I admire about Kobe the most. And let me be very clear here, not comparing myself to Kobe at all in any way. But I often give speeches, Dave, and I remember distinctly in eighth grade, my sister was four years older than me. And I remember the high school football players saying, Ross, I wish I had put more time in, or I wish I had worked a little bit harder. Maybe I could have been all county or gotten a chance to play in college or whatever. And so I say every time I do a talk, I decide in eighth grade, not knowing that this was what Kobe had decided, but that I was going to be able to move on with football whenever that was and know that I became the best I could possibly be at my favorite thing in the world to do. I think that that's an incredibly valuable lesson that Kobe talks about for everyone in life. And at the time, Dave, I was five, six, a chubby 150. My dad's five, nine, 170 pounds. You know, for me, I did not know if that meant I would, you know, just play in high school or maybe college. You know, I never even thought about the NFL. But the point was, I thought it was vitally important to me that I could move on with the rest of my life whenever that was, knowing, okay, I maxed it out. And at times, my parents thought I needed other interests. At times, my friends thought I was a psycho. Uh, But I ended my career in a lot of peace, knowing I, I did everything I could and obviously didn't reach near the level that Kobe did. But it's it's I had never heard him talk that way before. I had never heard that what the the audio you just played, but that really resonates with me. 
Um, I love that he perfected his craft. I love, you said the word earlier, he really was like a stone-faced killer when it came to competition. Um, and I think that that is probably his legacy as much as anything else. I also, and we're kind of going all over the place here, but I've got uh, so much respect for the dad, it seems like he became. You know, I think like a lot of people after the 2003 incident, it's pretty skeptical of him for a while. Uh, you know, I, I, I did not hold him in very high regard for a long time after that. You know, it seemed like uh, other people were able to put that behind them in terms of their adoration for him uh, faster than I was. I'm probably not as forgiving as most people or as forgiving as I should be. Uh, but it really felt like towards the end of his career uh, that he was in a good place. He was in a good place with his family, with his four daughters, uh, with his post-playing life, whether it was the production stuff and the coaching of his daughter. It just, it seemed like even if not everything he did was necessarily admirable, it seemed like he was living a very admirable life and really living his best life now, which is what makes it really even sadder. I can't think of anyone in recent sports history that made the transition so seamless in terms of having that killer instinct, that drive, that fierce competitiveness, you would have thought he would have had a far more difficult time than most making that transition because what was going to possibly fill that void that he needed to win, needed to slay you each and every day. And somehow, to your point, he made it not just seamlessly. He seemed to be in a perfect place as a father, as a producer, his media company, writing children's books, children's books that he wanted to become films as an Academy Award winner. It's bizarre that he was able to make that transition. And clearly what fueled him now was being a father, was coaching Gigi in this travel basketball team. And they were, of course, heading to a game at the Mamba facility just a few miles away when that helicopter crashed. And uh, Kobe Bryant was on Jimmy Kimmel recently talking about his role as a father, talking about the fact that, of course, Kobe, who needed a legacy, right, had four daughters. You, you wonder if there's a reason he had four daughters, if God had a plan. But Kobe Bryant talked about that with Jimmy Kimmel, uh, a nice little reflection here on the relationship they had and the drive Gigi had as well. Do you think your daughter might want to play in the WNBA? She does for sure. She does. I, I don't. I mean, this, this kid, man. She's Wouldn't like, that be great, dude, man? I, I'm telling you, the, be, the best thing, the best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, "Hey, you gotta have a boy. You and V gotta have a boy, man. You have somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy." She's like, "Oh, I got this. You know, boy, for that, I got this. Like, that's right." Yes, you do. You got this. Amazing. That's Kobe Bryant on Jimmy Kimmel. And when I think about some of the recent greats, I grew up idolizing John Elway, of course, and he had a bit of a difficulty making that transition. Some failed businesses and, and trying to fill that void of being the greatest star, at least in that state, if not one of the greatest stars in the country. And Michael Jordan has never seemed as comfortable as Kobe seemed in his last couple of years. You saw his Hall of Fame speech. He always seems to have that edge that Michael had as a player. Why do you think, Ross... Kobe Bryant, with that fierce competitive drive, was able to make that seamless transition and be in such a good place. Uh, I think he's a very, very smart guy. Uh, and I think his experience growing up, and by the way, Dave, that was one of the things that was weird about him going pro right from high school, is that I believe Kevin Garnett there was some debate whether or not he would have been eligible academically because Kevin Garnett went to the NBA the year before. And also Kevin Garnett going to the NBA was a financial hardship situation as well. Kobe Bryant was different. You know, Kobe Bryant got over a thousand essays on his SATs. Kobe Bryant could have gone to any of the top academic schools. 
Kobe Bryant family had money. You know, so him going to the NBA when he did that really, I thought, was a was a trendsetter. No academic issues, no financial issues, just, hey, this is the right way to go. And I think his experience internationally living in Italy, uh, he's well read. He's well cultured. He just seemed to always have a, a really good perspective on things. I, I think he just had a perspective. I'll, I'll tell you why, Dave. I, I think it's his kids. I think, you know, when he stopped playing, he found other creative outlets, even if they weren't as competitive. And I think he put so much into it that he was actually able to just kind of step away and almost enjoy not being competitive almost enjoy no longer having to have the grind. I think he saw the big picture and was able to have some perspective of, I did it. I did it for 20 years. It's a long time. And now I am going to enjoy the fruits of my labor. I'm going to enjoy being a dad, enjoy having some creative outlets. And I, I commend him for that. I, I, I think mm -hmm. it's, I look up to him for that. And I'll just say this, Dave. It is sad no matter when someone passes. It's especially sad when they pass tragically. It's especially sad when they pass seemingly well before their time. It's even more sad when they are someone who is an inspiration to so many uh, and then what really trumps it for me, and I and I I am very comfortable being an emotional person, but I haven't really thought that much about it because I just can't even go there. Is in particular thinking about his two youngest daughters, and them, you know, not having their dad anymore, and it's not easy for his wife or his eldest daughter either. But the two youngest in particular. That that hits way, way too close to home for me. Those girls and Vanessa are going to have a very tough time. Uh, there's the numbers, of course, the 81-point game versus Toronto. The fact that two jersey numbers are retired at Staples, the only player in NBA history to have so, and almost split stats, scored more than 16,000 points as number eight, scored more than 16,000 points as number 24. Maybe that transition was easy because he knew – Heck, what more could I possibly accomplish on the court? Just look at the reflection. Shaq, who called him his brother, said Kobe was more than an athlete. He was a family man, and that's what we had most in common. Magic Johnson, my friend, a legend, husband, father, son, brother, Oscar winner, and the greatest Laker of all time is gone. Former President Barack Obama said Kobe was a legend on the court and just getting started, and what would have been just as meaningful a second act. The Dallas Mavericks in the immediate aftermath said they are retiring number 24. Kobe's legacy transcends basketball from Mark Cuban and Michael Jordan said words can't describe the pain I'm feeling. I loved Kobe. He was like a little brother to me. Kobe Bryant was also in the news before his passing because of course just the night before LeBron James passed him in scoring. Number four all time uh, is where Kobe is now. And, and that's what makes this so strange that we were just discussing Kobe Bryant, his last tweet, continuing to move the game forward at King James. Much respect, my brother. Heartbreaking. And so we have the words of LeBron James before Kobe passed away in that helicopter on that mountainside in Calabasas, California. Here's how LeBron, while Kobe was still alive, got to remember one of the all-time greats. And as I started playing more ball and I went into high school, the things that he was doing on the floor, I, you know, admired and wanted to be a part of. Um, I went to ABCD camp, and he came and talked to all the all the all the kids that was there, and I happened to be one of the one of the kids that was there, and I was just. I was just listening. I was just trying to soak everything up I could. You know, and I remember one thing that he said, he was like, if you want to try to be, you know, great at it or want to be one of the greats, you got to put the work in. You know, there's no substitution to work. 
and, and I was a 15-year-old kid at that camp. Uh, me and Maverick drove to the Intercontinental downtown Philadelphia, um, and he gave me a pair of his shoes, which I ended up wearing um, that following night. It was the red, white, and blue Kobe's. And I sat and just talked to him for a little bit. He gave me the shoes. I rocked them in the game. Um, and it was the same night that we played uh, Oak Hill against Melo. And then I saw what he was able to do the very next night, winning MVP here um, in Philly that, 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 that same, uh, that following night. Continued to admire him throughout my high school rank. And, um, and then as competitors, um, just seeing the work ethic, um, the work ethic that he put into the game. He had zero flaws offensively, zero. Uh, you backed off of him, he could shoot the three. You, pick, you, know, you body him up a little bit, he can go around you. He can shoot the mid-range, he can post, he can make free throws. He has zero flaws offensively. And um, you know that's something that I admired as well, just being a, at a point where the defense will always be at bay, where they couldn't guard you at all offensively, where you just felt like you was just immortal offensively because of your skill set and your work ethic. We take it down to 2008 where we become the redeem, the redeem team. And it was a dream come true for me to be able to line up with, alongside of him. Um, just admiring him for so many years and him seeing him from afar and then being able to be in practices with him and, and you know, me watching and learning. Um, so, on. I mean, it's just, it's just too much. It's just too much. The story is just too much. It doesn't make sense. Um, and just to make a long story short, now I'm here in the Lakers uniform in Philadelphia, where he's from, where I wanted the first first time I ever met him, gave me his shoes, he won All-Star Week. It's just, it's surreal. It doesn't make no sense, but the, the universe uh, just puts things in, in your life. And, and, and when you, I guess when you live in the right way or you just giving everything to whatever you're doing, um, things happen organically and it's not supposed to make sense, but it just happens. And uh, sorry, and uh, I'm happy to just to be in a, any conversation with Kobe Bean Bryant, one of the all-time greatest basketball players to ever play, one of the all-time greatest Lakers. The man got two jerseys hanging up in Staples Center. It's just, it's just crazy. It is crazy. That's LeBron James Saturday night after passing Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list. LeBron now third, Kobe fourth, and Kobe seemed to very much embrace. LeBron passing him in that respect, again, totally secure and what he'd accomplished on the basketball court. Just an incredible man, an incredible uh, basketball player, father, uh, his wife, Vanessa, their three daughters, your heart breaks for all of them. Ross, any uh, quick reflections? We're going to take a break and, and we're going to hear uh, from Rick Buecher. On a special Scallon Pals, uh, Rick Buecher covered, of course, Kobe and knew him well. Any last reflections as you hear LeBron James there and a lot more to come on this program, including Kendrick Perkins? Well, the one thing I'll say, Dave, that I want to talk about more that I found really interesting is Brad Stevens, the head coach of the Celtics. I thought put it in perspective for me a little bit when he said for the guys in the NBA now. Kobe was their Michael Jordan. So, you know, I feel a little differently about Kobe because he was my age and we were sort of contemporaries, right? But you're like me, Dave. Growing up, Michael Jordan was larger than life. I mean, Michael Jordan mm. went way beyond just being an athlete. He was the most well-known, most popular person in the world when we were ages 8 to 20 or whatever it is. And so for the guys in the NBA or NFL at the Super Bowl now, they were born too late to really see Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant is their Michael Jordan. And I, I think that put it in perspective for me because that would make it even more pronounced on some level because he was like larger than life. And for the guys now, that's what Kobe Bryant was to them. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It seems like a bad, like a bad dream. You just want to wake up from. It's a nightmare. I know we all feel the same way about such a great, just a great leader, just a great champion, just a great person. If you got a chance to know Kobe, you got a chance to really know Kobe. There ain't nobody better, man. Emotions are all over the place. These are the moments when you ask why. My heart. That's NBA legend Dwayne Wade, close friend to Kobe Bryant. He took to social media to share his thoughts in the immediate aftermath of Kobe dying in that helicopter crash. Nine total victims. Hey, it's just a reminder. Hug those kids. Give them a kiss. Hug your wife. Life is precious. Life is quite often too short and if you can try to emulate something from Kobe Bryant's life it might be his insane hard work the mentality the Mamba mentality it might be how he was as a professional winning an Academy Award it might be how he was as a father sitting there holding his daughter tight courtside in Brooklyn I'm Dave Briggs. It's a Mamba Monday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. A lot to come here on Kobe Bryant. Some words from Derek Jeter this morning on the Players' Tribune. I've seen Kobe win gold medals and championship rings, but I've still never seen him look as happy in those big moments on the court as he looked the other day off of it with an arm around Gigi, Derek Jeter remembering his friend Kobe Bryant in the Players' Tribune. A special Scallon Pals remembered Kobe Bryant, the man, the myth, the legend, the hard worker. Rick Buecher covered Kobe Bryant, was a friend of Kobe Bryant. Kendrick Perkins competed against him, knows him very well, and Steve Cerruti, the host of Scallon Pals, all weighed in on the loss of the legend. My first reaction was, this can't be true. This can't. Kobe, this doesn't happen to a Kobe Bryant. I always, I always in my mind's eye, I imagined him to be like James Brown. You know, he would be one of these old dignitary ambassadors of the game, and you would look up to him as an icon forever. Uh, knowing how he had evolved from when I saw him coming to the league, playing for the Lakers summer league team at Long Beach State back in the day in the pyramid, to seeing him evolve into you know, a family man. And, and as the day has gone on and I'm reminded about more things about what I knew about Kobe and our interactions and the things that we shared has made it harder and harder to, to accept it. Like before it just, it wasn't real. Like when it first came out, it's TMZ. This can't, this doesn't happen to Kobe. And then slowly, but surely it became confirmed. And then we find out about Gigi and, and then my, my daughter was the first one in my family to first hear it. She goes, did you hear this or did you see this? And Kobe had invited uh, her to play one-on-one -on -one against Gigi. Uh, we talked a lot about coaching and coaching kids and how to bring kids up the right way in the game. And, Anytime over the course of his career, as we got to know each other and we talked about family, you know, that that thing that Perk was talking about, that that family man, that post player, like I saw that 
I saw the rudiments of that when he was still playing, when he, he got married and he had kids and he would just, he was, he would just gush. And if you, if you brought up something going on with your family, like he was, he couldn't, he loved talking about that. He loved that part of his life. And so as I think about him going down at 41, going down with his daughter, I just, it is, I, it's so hard to wrap my head around, but it just seems so unfair for a guy who we got to see his entire journey and for all that he accomplished as a player. And it was a tremendous amount. There was still like, he was, he was maybe halfway through everything that he was going to do and everything that he was going to enjoy. And the the comfort level with which I saw him living his post-career life, that is so, <laughs> that's as rare as what Kobe Bryant did in the league. He was not only not depressed or struggling with the change, which I expected he would, but he was, he was not, only in, not only embracing it and okay with it, he was thriving in it. He was flourishing in that second life, both as a dad uh, and as a youth basketball coach and as an artist. And so to think that it's ended, it's gone in the blink of an eye, I just, there's never, I wasn't around when Steve Prefontaine um, died, the runner up in Oregon. I was, uh, I remember exactly where I was when Magic Johnson announced that he was HIV positive. And that for everybody at that time, thought that was a death sentence, thought that he had just announced his death. Uh, but outside of those two things, I don't know that there's ever been anything that's happened to anybody in the sports world or certainly in my sphere that compares to the abrupt and just disbelievable, unbelievable shock of the idea that Kobe Bryant is no longer with us. That's Rick Bucher. Radio.com NBA insider on a special scal and pals. He covered Kobe and knew him well as a player and, of course, as a man, as a husband, as a father. Uh, as we continue to reflect on the loss of Kobe Bryant, just going to admit here, I have spent far, maybe too much time crying about this. I didn't know Kobe, but this is somebody who affects all of us. Somebody we all believed in, someone we all watched dominate on and off the court, our friends at WIP. Uh, sports radio in Philadelphia asked, how will you remember Kobe? And overwhelmingly, the number one answer is as an intense competitor, 66% of the respondents in his hometown say they'll remember Kobe as an intense competitor. I would share that exact recollection. Uh, let's check in with our good friend, Arash Markazi, LA Times sports columnist, covered Kobe Bryant for many years. Arash, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. Once again, it's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. How will you remember, when you close your eyes, how will you picture Kobe Bryant? As a champion, um, as, as, as someone who really loved being a father you know the last time i talked with him was prior to the season and i asked him if he would be at the first game of the season when i i knew he wasn't gonna go but he said i'm gonna be at a game but not at their game my my my, my daughter has a game so i'm gonna be there um you know and, and i just go back to that conversation now and i touched on it in my column today it was just that you know i said you know well why don't you go to some more games and and he said, if I were to go to a game, that's one night that I can't be with my kids. And so, you know, that was my first thought when I um, heard about what happened. I said Gianna was always with them, you know, not knowing where they were going, but Gianna, towards the end of his career and in retirement, was always by his side. And so that is um, this breaking story regardless, but when you factor in that she was with him, with seven other people, it's just... Um, so heartbreaking. I cannot believe it still. So, Arash, I know you've been an L.A. guy for a long time, maybe forever. And so I wanted to get your perspective just in terms of L.A. I mean, I got to think L.A. athletes ever. He's on the Mount Rushmore and might be might be number one. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's in that conversation with, you know, Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and some of the great, uh, you know, coaches and commentators we've had, whether it's Gully or Chick Hearn. But um, there's, 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 there's no doubt about it. He's in the, the conversation to be number one, and certainly if there's a Mount Rushmore, he would be on there. Uh, and certainly, guys, when you talk about if you're younger than, say, 35 or 30, He's your number one. You know, I mean, he's in the conversation with the Showtime Lakers for me. But if if you're if you don't remember the Showtime Lakers, I mean, he is by far number one. I mean, he is the uh, the fans. I mean, there there are so many Kobe Bryant fans. I mean, there were there were people. You know, because we talk about a player who played 20 years with one team. They've they've never known the Lakers without him. Arash Markazi with us, L.A. Times sports columnist, covered Kobe Bryant. And your last article, Arash, was about that relationship between between Kobe and his uh, 13-year-old daughter. Sorry, man. Um, I'm reading your piece, and it's breaking me up. Uh, if you could just tell us a little bit about that special relationship he had with 13-year-old Gigi as a coach and as a dad. Yeah, I mean, Gigi was his best friend, you know, and I think that's what makes this story so tragic. Uh, regardless, is just like the relationship that 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 they had. I mean, he loved talking with her about the game. I mean, whenever they were they were courtside, I mean, he would be asking her. I mean, he would be asking her, and she would be asking him about different moments in the game and adjustments and tendencies, and he loved that. Um, you know, and, and as you guys know, he had four daughters, and every now and again when a fan would ask, you know, like, look, are you going to have a son? Like, he pointed to Gigi, because um, I was with them in Las Vegas prior to the WNBA uh, um, game, and he said, she's something else, you know, just, just the way that, that she plays, and, um, you know, he had no doubt that, that his name was in good hands with her. Arash, why do you think he was so beloved by everybody in L.A. and Lakers fans? Because it feels like it was more than just because he was a really good player. It feels like it went beyond that. Well, you know, you guys touched on it. I mean, he was an intense competitor, but there was just something about him in terms of the way he carried himself and the way he played. Um, you, you just loved watching him play. And, and, and uh, you know, so there, there were kind of two phases of, of Kobe. There, were, there was that phase where he had Shaq, and he was, you know, definitely one of the top players. But then there was that moment where he had the team and just put together the, the like, MB, the um, MVP season and just the success that he had. Um, you know, championships are the only currency that matter in Los Angeles, and Kobe won five. And so not only was he an intense competitor, but he was a champion. And, and if you're a champion in Los Angeles, that means a lot. Arash Markazi with us, L.A. Times sports columnist. Uh, Arash, the, the guys that I covered as a reporter – the, the guys that stuck with me, the best athletes I ever covered, were also the hardest working. I think about Teddy Bruschi and Tom Brady. I think about Manny Ramirez and guys that showed up hours before everyone else and left hours later than everyone else. Dustin Pedroia, some of the names that come to mind. Could you share a story about Kobe Bryant's work ethic? Yeah, you know, my favorite Kobe story, and it's funny you should bring that up because I was just telling someone about this, is uh, back in 2009 – were in Orlando, and, uh, you know, going into game five, you know, people were talking about how tired Kobe looked and if he's playing too much, and we go back to the hotel room, and he's having a corona um, at the bar, and it's like, it's it's late, and so we're um, hanging out there, and he goes back to his room, and we stay there until he closes at 2, and I walk back to my room at 2.30, and at 2.30, Kobe's walking to the gym. I'm like, did you sleep? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go to the gym. Like, he, his, his work ethic was not, it was something that I had never seen before. And for him, it was normal. Um, so he didn't sleep that much. I don't know how, like, often he did sleep. Um, but, again, they, so they clinched that night. They clinched the championship in game five. Uh, and then that night, and I posted a picture of this on my Twitter, um, he refused to take the jersey off the same sh- champagne soaked 
uniform that he had in the locker room. He wore back to the hotel. He slept in it that night. I mean, that, that, that night just meant so much to him. Arash, can you talk to me? Because uh, Dave asked a question earlier I didn't have the answer to. I thought was interesting is that how a guy with that work ethic and with that drive seemed so at peace in retirement. How did that happen? You know what? I think it was because of his kids. I think he, he had so much fulfillment being with Gianna and Natalia and Bibi and Vanessa and just his family. His family gave him that comfort and his family gave him that peace. And listen, I think anytime you're a competitor, a part of you, you know, you can't replace that. But I think in retirement, being that coach uh, and spending time with his kids, and again, he wanted them to be the best. So, you know, that, that, that's where he fulfilled that. You know, he, he was a, a tough coach, and, and, you know, he wanted the best for his kids and his team and her teammates. And so, um, you're right. I think there's a lot of players in retirement who struggle with that. But with him, with his family and his kids, I think he was content. I think that is honestly, as much as I loved Kobe Bryant, the player, I think I'm far. I think the thing I remember about him most is is how he made that transition, how comfortable he was, how devoted a father we, uh, he was. That's the thing that makes me most envious of Kobe Bryant. Talking to Arash Markazi, LA Times sports columnist, covered Kobe for many years and knew him as he made that transition off the court. Of course, Arash, there is that one complicated chapter of his life, 2003, the allegations from Colorado. A lot of athletes never would have survived that. How much a part of that is complicated and how did he bounce back from those allegations better than... I can remember any athlete ever coming back. Yeah, I mean, I covered him that season. You know, they, they uh, signed Gary Payton, Colin Malone prior to that season, and he's going back and forth from Los Angeles and Colorado to play those games. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been easy for a lot of guys to sort of, uh, you know, not play that season or, or, or not do what he did. And so he is a complicated figure, Um and that is a part of his um, history, and so uh, the, you know it's it, it's one of those things that he did get through it, and um, but it is part of his life, right? And so it makes it complicated in, in terms of when you talk about him, and no one's perfect, obviously. And so, uh, but I just go back to that 2003, uh, 2004 season where he's going back and forth, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I mean, how. You know, in the morning he's in a courtroom, and then at night he's on the court. I mean, that season was just surreal for a lot of reasons, but for that one in particular, I guess. Yeah, and I'm curious, Arash, was there ever a time when the L.A. faithful didn't love him, whether it was after the 2003 incident or when it was Shaq versus Kobe or did they always just continue to support him and love him and be on Team Kobe throughout? You know, the only time that they turned on him was prior to the 2007-2008 season where he wanted a trade, and he was very public about wanting a trade. And I think he wanted a trade because he didn't think that the Lakers were committed to putting together a championship team. And so he was actually booed. I mean, people forget that. I mean, he was booed prior to the first game of the season because he wanted to get traded. But that is the uh, season they traded for Paul Gasol, and that changed the entire complexion of the season and really at, at, at the end of his career because of that trade for, for Powell. They go on a three straight finals. They win two. And, and so he won without Shaq. He was a champion. And, and so, uh, but yeah, for a brief moment there, he wanted to get traded. And he was very public about that. Talking to Arash Markazi, LA Times sports columnist, remembering Kobe Bryant, the player, the father, uh, the Academy Award winner. How proud was he of that academy award he talked about in several interviews i listened to his real passion maybe every bit as much as basketball was that passion for storytelling was that always a part of him and just how was he attacking his post-basketball career yeah i mean he was very proud of that i mean that uh, academy award was uh, proudly displayed uh, 
where his um, office was. And so, yeah, extremely proud of that. And, you know, when you look at what he was doing in terms of storytelling, you know, one of his priorities was children's books and cartoons and things of that nature. I mean, he was always very big on uh, speaking to kids and speaking to children. And so uh, he was very proud of that Academy Award, and it really kind of showed that even in retirement from hoops, that he could kind of continue to be a champion. So when you talk about someone who's won a um, NBA championship and the MVPs and all the stuff that he's done in his career, and then to kind of transition to be an Academy Award winner, that was incredible. Arash, um, can you tell me a little bit more about his family, uh, the other daughters and and Vanessa, and kind of what they're up to? Uh, You know, we're hearing a lot about Kobe and a lot about Gigi understandably so. I guess I'm curious to know more about the others. Well, you know, Natalia was his first daughter. She is a volleyball player, and he's been at different games with her. He's very, very proud of her. Uh, you know, Vanessa, I go back to, um, you know, when they first met, and she was in uh, high school when he was at the beginning of his career, and, and just, uh, you know, how much they loved each other, and so, uh, but he was he was so happy to be a father and uh, a um, husband, and so, you know, I know there was a lot of talk about, you know, is he going to have a son, and I'm, listen, I'm sure a part of him wanted to have one son, but he loved his daughter so very much. Indeed he did, and, and final question, Arash, uh, there were thousands at Staples yesterday, makeshift memorial had been set up, people just going out that wanted to pay tribute to Kobe, any sense of how the Lakers will pay tribute to Kobe Bryant, I know they play the Clippers uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what the scene is going to be like at Staples Center, I know a lot of fans wanted to go to Staples Center Sunday, but the group Grammy Awards were there, so the area was kind of uh, not available to them, so they went across the street. But uh, the scene at Staples Center that game, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure both teams will do something, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, the fact that both teams are are are, are playing, uh, you know, after the Grammy road trip, they've both been on the road for a while now. That is uh, going to be quite the scene for sure can only imagine how emotional Staples will be on Wednesday night. Arash Markazi, L.A. Times sports columnist. Always a pleasure to have you, sir. Thanks for your reflections. My pleasure. Thanks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.